reading, today's reading is from the book of Exodus, 39, 1 through 7, and 27 through 30. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made holy garments for Aaron, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold, purple, and scarlet yarns and fine-twisted, fine-twined linen. And they hammered out gold leaf, and he cut it into threads to work into the blue and purple and the scarlet yarns and into the fine-twined linen in skilled design. They made for the ephod attaching shoulder pieces joined to it at its two edges. And the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it and made like it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine twined linen, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the onyx stones enclosed in a setting of gold filigree, and engraved like the engravings of a signet, according to the names of the sons of Israel. And he set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They also made the coats woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of fine linen, and the caps of fine linen, and the linen undergarments of fine twined linen, and the sash of fine twined linen, and of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, embroidered with needlework, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote on it an inscription, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you to hear your holy and inerrant word. We pray, Lord Father, that as a people of ACC, that we would be able to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, let your Holy Spirit descend upon us so that our ears are open, our hearts are open, and that we would be able to receive your holy words, and that we would be transformed, and that we would be challenged, that we would feel peace. Father, be in the midst of us as your word is being preached. Be with us so that we are able to worship you. We thank you, O God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year, my wife and I watch the Oscars. It's something we like to do. And interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, every year the Oscars start at 8 p.m. And if you come to the Choi household, the TV will turn on at 7 p.m. And why? To see the dresses. And to see, sometimes, the tuxedos. But we come to see this and we, and we find this intriguing. We get to see these beautiful movie stars come in these beautiful dresses. And we get to see these, I think, pretty interesting interviews when they ask, who are you wearing? And I'm not being facetious when I say that because it's interesting. What has this new designer come up with as far as this dress or this tuxedo? I don't think they ever asked that question, who are you wearing to tuxedos, right? In any case, that question is interesting because we want to see who is the person responsible for making this person so beautiful. Now, oftentimes, when I'm talking about this, some people will say, Jeffrey, why do you care about the dresses or the tuxedos? And I say, because I like fashion. And then most people laugh like all you did because they think, Jeffrey, you're a pastor. Why do you care about fashion? 
And I simply respond, because God cares about fashion. We have no problem thinking about God as an architect, as a lawgiver, but here in Exodus chapter 39, God is a fashion designer. That's what he is. Here, if we read this long text, God is designing in intricate detail how the priests are supposed to approach the tabernacle. He designs to every little thing that is to go on this robe, to the stones, to the design, how it's weaved together. God commands everything to Moses of how this robe is to be configured and why. And it's an important question to read. I only put some of the verses here. It's actually a whole chapter that would not fit onto this single piece of paper. And oftentimes when we read a chapter 39, we say, why is this in here? It's not that edifying. edifying. I don't care how things are sewn together. I don't care what color is next to what color. Why is this so long? But obviously it's important because God kept it in there. And so the question we are investigating today is this. Why does God care so much about these clothes, about these priestly garments? So we're going to dive into that. First, we have to understand why all the details. Before even going to the purpose of the clothes, I, I do think it's worth examining why there's so much detail in this one passage about robes. Because easily God could have said, set aside particular robes for the priests. One verse and we're done. Why go through the whole exercise of describing how it needs to be constructed? Well, I think it gives us insight into God's character and nature. If we understand that these garments are not supposed to be looked at by themselves, but they are supposed to be looked at in part of the whole system that is being built. Remember, God has just saved the people, God has saved the nation, and now what God is doing is making the laws, the buildings, and the fashion for these people. It's actually quite breathtaking to see what God is doing. Even the chapters before this, we see God constructing a tabernacle. Three chapters of how tents are supposed to be constructed, what's supposed to go into the tent, what the veils look like, everything. God plans everything, and why is this important? Because he's not allowing the Israelites to have any say of how their nation is going to be built. That's important. The nation of Israel was not constructed by people getting together and thinking, what is the best thing that we can do? What we see is God is beginning to build this nation, and he is not taking any advice from the Israelites. You are my people, and I am your God, and this is how you are going to receive all the promise that, promises that are bestowed unto you. Because remember, God's promise to the Israelites was that they were going to be a great nation, and that God was going to be their God, and that these people were going to be his people forever. So we have to understand the priestly garments in the whole system that God has in place. So I want us to start there. The details are important because God wants to let us know 
that not a single detail was contributed by the Israelites. The refrain that comes often in chapter 39 is, as the Lord had commanded Moses. After every set of instructions, this refrain shows up, as the Lord had commanded Moses, because this was God's way. This is how God was going to build his system. So then what were the purpose of these robes? Why were these robes given to Aaron and his sons? Well, these robes were part of the sacrificial system that God had in place. As God built the tent, the tabernacle in which the people were to worship, God made the tent so that there were two rooms within the tent. And there's a veil that divided the room, and behind one portion was a place called the Holies of Holies. And in this place, this is where God dwelled. God dwelled here. This is where his presence was. And for some of you, you may be thinking, but God is everywhere. What is so special about this place? And remember, Pastor David talked about this. God is everywhere. But if he chooses to dwell in a particular place, that is his prerogative. That allows the people to know that God is truly with them. So God dwells in this place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant dwells. And this is where the priest would enter into. And only the high priest was allowed into this place, the Holy of Holies. And what would happen here? Here the priest would take goats and calves and offer a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to God. And this happened once a year. And what was the purpose for all this? So that the sins of Israel would be forgiven. Once a year, the people would send the high priest into the Holy of Holies where he would make a sacrifice, and from that point, the people's sins would be forgiven for the past year. And so, this priest needs to enter with that mindset. And the way God prepared the priest was by preparing his clothes. I think Coco Chanel, the great theologian, she's not a theologian, She's a fashion designer. I think she says it well, what the whole point of fashion is. It's not to show how cool you are or how to do anything. She, I think, understands it. She says, dress shabbily, and they remember the dress. Dress impeccably, and they remember the woman. The whole purpose of the robes was so that the robes pointed to the man that was entering into the Holy of Holies. This person was not selected by Israel. This person was not randomly chosen. This person, as we find out, is appointed by God himself. And this person, the characteristics are that this person is good. That this person is clean. That this person is able to follow all the rules of God. Basically, what we find out is this person is a cut above everyone else. And it's by God's standards, not the standards of the people. That's why there were only one set of garments for the high priest. No one else 
could wear these clothes. Verse 7 also says this, And he set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. This person that was appointed who entered into the Holy of Holies did not enter the Holy of Holies just as a solo man or person. This person entered the Holy of Holies as a representative of the people. When this person was designated the high priest, he no longer lived for himself, but he lived for the people of God. And the clothing re-emphasized that. You do not come to God as an individual person, but you come as a representative before me. What else do we see? Exodus 39, verse 30. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription, like the engraving of a signet. Holy to the Lord. What we also find out is this person has a turban placed on their head. And as this um, crown is put upon the head, it reads, holy unto the Lord. So it points to the man that this man is a holy man. The person who is wearing all these robes, all these crowns, is royalty. This person is a king. Now remember, the Israelites don't have a king at this point, and this high priest was to serve as their king. This high priest was to serve as their main representative, and the single job that this high priest had to do was make atonement for sins. The robes connect, pointed to the man, which then pointed to the whole sacrificial system. God had planned everything to its finest detail. There was no part that the people had a say in. God planned everything. God made sure everything was according to his preference. But there's a problem with this system. And before I go into the problem, I do want to highlight what an amazing thing it is that we are witnessing in the book of Exodus. I want us to remember that God is implementing a religious system himself. That this is not a religious system that was um, propagated by man. Because if we look at all the other religious systems, what usually happened? They would do certain traditions, they would do certain acts, they would have worship practices, and if you press them, where did you get these worship um, acts or services from? They would say, our ancestors did it this way. And our ancestors were in tune with our God, and so that's why we are doing it. And so the worship service would change over time as more tradition and culture came in to the people. But here the Israelites have a whole system of government and religion given to them within a matter of weeks. And there's a designated place and point when all this was given to them. They can all go back and say, no, this is exactly how it happened. This is exactly what God said. This is exactly how we're supposed to worship God. As far as man-made religions go, this was the most awesome one. It is intricate, it is historical, and it is amazing. But there's a problem with it. And what is the main problem with the robes and the whole sacrificial system? The main problem is, is that it's powered by man. 
What you notice is God commanded Moses to do all these things, but man still had to build the altar. Man still had to build the tabernacle. Men still had to design the robes. And what we see over the course of time is that as it's powered by men, the system begins to fail. Now, this is not a faulty system. This is a system given to man by God. But we see over the course of the history of Israel, the whole system falters and breaks down. Is there something wrong with the system? Is there something wrong with God's blueprint. If we look at Zechariah chapter 3, after over the course of many generations, we see at what point the high priests, or what point the office is in of the high priest. Zechariah chapter 3, which is hundreds of years later after, actually thousands of years later after the command of uh, Moses is given, this is where we find the state. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Then he showed me Joshua. Now, this is not Joshua with Moses. This is an altogether different Joshua. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Verse 3. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. These once glorious robes are no longer sparkly and shining and filled with gold. All we see before us is these filthy garments given to this priest. And more than that, what has happened to the temple? What has happened to the tabernacle? If you know the history of Israel, the temple's gone. It's been overrun by the enemies. What happened to the Ark of the Covenant? We read in Ezekiel that the glory of God has left the Ark of the Covenant. We ha they have no temple, they have no God, they have no robes. The system is broken. And why? It's because the system was powered by man's own will. Even though God explained everything, man still had to perform the task and they failed. The whole point of the Old Testament is this, that you cannot do it. You cannot do it. Now do what? You cannot become good in the sight of God by your own power. They've tried. God gave explicit instructions on how the people are to be with God and how God will be with the people explicit instructions. I wish I had that for my marriage. Explicit instructions of what Christine wants me to do so she can be happy and I can be happy. Oh, it would be great. And this is what God gave to the people. You want God to be happy. You want the people to be happy. Here it is. And what happens? The people falter. And all the prophecies are about how God and the people are no longer reconciled, that Israel has played the harlot, that they no longer have held their side of the bargain. One of my jobs as a preacher is to tell you to stop trying to please God. Stop trying to find God on your own terms. Stop trying so hard to gain God's acceptance. 
You can't do it. I know that's not encouraging, but it's supposed to not be encouraging. I want us to stop thinking that we can garner God's favor somehow in some way. The whole Old Testament shows us that a nation and a people and even super, super holy people cannot garner God's favor. Then what are we to do? Interestingly enough, in Zechariah chapter 3, the chapter I just talked about, offers the solution to the problem. Verse 3, remember, now Joshua standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Verse 4, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. God is going to have to do it himself. God is going to power the whole system. God is going to take away the robes, the tents, and he's going to take away everything so that what? So that he can fulfill and complete the system. God is going to ensure that we, the people, are going to be united to him and that he is going to be united to us forever. So he takes away the human element altogether. And he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to come as our high priest. The New Testament authors of the Hebrews picks this up and understands the significance of what Jesus has come to do. Chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews says, Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Do you see that subtle difference? God has constructed a city in heaven. God has constructed a dwelling place in which he has built himself with his own hands and his own angels, with his own son. And he has provided a high priest on our behalf. He has provided his son, Jesus Christ. What is the significance of the priestly garments? Every single detail pointed to what Jesus is to us. Jesus is our king. Jesus is the holy one who was appointed by God himself. Jesus is our representative. Jesus is the only one who can stand in the face of God in the Holy of Holies. And Jesus is the only one who can atone our sins. He is the great high priest who has made atonement for our sins, not with bulls and not with young goats, but with his own life. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus did not come to abolish the Old Testament system. Jesus came to fulfill the system. 
He came, inserted himself into the whole sacrificial system so that we don't have to go through that whole purpose. That we would receive the benefits of God by simply believing in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are united to God himself. That is good news. Can I get an amen? That is the good news of Jesus Christ and why he has come for us. Because he has absolved our sins and now we are united to God. So when Jesus died for our sins, he resurrected again from heaven. He ascended into heaven and then what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit. And after he sent the Holy Spirit, what happened to us? It's clear in scripture what happened to us. The robes, the beautiful robes that Christ is wearing have now been placed upon all of us. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, we are now all priests that are able to approach God into the holies of holies. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, and that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When Jesus went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, he sent his best tailor to all of us to clothe us in garments of grace. Jesus is still a fashion designer. He clothes us elegantly and beautifully. He makes sure that we are dressed appropriately. Does God care about what you wear? Absolutely. It may not be physical material robes, but he cares that you are clothed beautifully in grace and love. And what are we to do as his people? We're to put on those garments of grace and wear them proudly. Paul picks up on this theme of holy garments and how the people wear them. And he says in Colossians 3.12, these things. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When we go back to the priestly garments, we see how God is beginning to tailor us with such precision. We're not defined by the world, but by defined by the royal courts of heaven. He's saying you, are need, to, you need to clothe yourselves with the garments of love, patience, meekness continually editing how we dress and how we look. And it is with these clothes we come here on Sunday and we say, God, I am standing before you with your garments of grace and I give glory unto your name. But that's not the only purpose. God wants us to wear our garments out into the world. God wants out for us to go and he wants people to notice us. He wants People to notice us like we notice those movie stars on the red carpet. He wants us to flaunt our good works, flaunt our beautiful ways that Christ has clothed us. So that what happens? 
so that someone may come up to us and say, excuse me, who are you wearing? And we would say with a great smile, I'm wearing Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have clothed us with your garments of grace. I pray, O oh God, that you would continue to clothe us. Help us to see, Lord, your designs. Help us to see how you have made us. Help us to see, Lord, how beautiful we truly are. We thank you for the grace that has been bestowed upon us. May we give you all the glory. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.